Welcome to The Green Urbanist, a podcast for urbanists fighting climate change. I'm Ross. Today's episode is a collaboration with The Human City Podcast. The Human City is a podcast hosted by Stig Terrebon that focuses on making cities, well, more human, making people healthier, happier, and facilitating community through urbanism. In this episode, Stig has joined me to share his top lessons learned from interviewing some of the leading urbanists in the USA. We cover some really interesting topics, including why urbanism needs branding, how communities are formed on interaction, and why the solutions for towns and villages are not the same as those for big cities. This episode is a collaboration because I'm also appearing on Stig's podcast, The Human City, to talk about my lessons learned from hosting this, The Green Urbanist. That episode is out right now, so do head over to the Human City podcast, if not to listen to me, then at least to listen to all the other amazing guests he's had on. Links uh, to all my social media and Stig's are in the podcast description. Thanks very much, and please enjoy our conversation. Hello, Stig. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Ross. Thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure. Um, so we're here to talk about yourself and talk about your excellent podcast, the Human City Podcast. So why don't you just tell us um, who are you and tell us a little bit about about your podcast? Yeah, most definitely. So I'm Stig. I um, am out of Los Angeles, California, the United States. So a little bit different, but uh, basically maybe three years or so ago, two and a half. I read a book called Happy City by Charles Montgomery, which is a classic. Love it. And so I studied engineering and I, it just blew my mind. I really had no clue how much um, like the design of a city impacted how we felt and how we moved about our life. So I was just on it. I was like, I got to share this. I got to do something about this. So I created the podcast and basically the point of the podcast is to talk about how can we design cities like with a human lens first so as opposed to like what makes sense for money you know what makes sense for like what just looks good and there's a big difference between what looks good and what feels good you know so the whole point of the podcast is to advocate for how do we build places that are great for people so like that's happiness like a way of finding community a way of finding like your job of like creating a community it's all that and so um as it's interview based and i basically interview people um from like in policy and urban design architecture um some like nonprofit advocates some business people all about how can we make better places so um it's sort of wide-ranging but yeah that's great and you've had some really big names on as well in in the sort of urbanism community in in the u.s so it's great to listen to them yeah there's definitely yeah i've had a few like really popular people who um are out there making like beautiful work where where, you know i'm when i'm talking to them i'm like i can't believe i'm talking to this person you know (laughs) so uh um definitely it's been really exciting to learn from everyone and to see what they're um doing so i yeah i mean i love it so that's awesome well, you're here to tell us a bit about what you've learned interviewing these these interesting yeah. people. So why don't yeah. we jump right in? What's your first lesson? Yeah. So I got seven lessons for everyone. And I just that I've sort of compiled from all the people I've spoken to I wanted to share with you. Um, 
So yeah, number one, urbanism needs branding. So I've come to find this, especially with uh, a lot of the um, like architecture or maybe like these firms, they have a very similar way of showing their image which is sort of like uniform across mm. a format where when everyone's doing the same thing, it starts to become um, non-noticeable. And what I'm saying, what I'm seeing is people aren't engaged with urbanism. When they hear about zoning or housing policy, they, their eyes roll over. Yeah. So what's happening is that people uh, need to start rebranding how we talk about urbanism and how we share these ideas because we need to get people interested and um sort of start to take a part in, in city building so because it affects all of us and because people are um are living and using the city we all have a part in this so we need to figure out as urbanists how we can sell it you know like yeah. i hate to say the word sell but how do we get people really interested so urbanism needs new branding it needs a new way to be pictured in people's brains a new mm. way uh, to be useful for people. So I'm talking about like first principles. How do we get people to change what, how they picture urbanism in their brain? So that's what a branding is. And that's what selling is. Um, that's number one. That's great. And, and you're so right. Yeah. Cause there's so many places in the U S and also in Europe where, you know, the, the default that people expect is suburbia. Um, mm-hmm. And if someone wants to come along and do something that's a bit more urban, a bit more dense, and has that sort of you know uh, yeah. urban feel to it, uh, you, you do need that sort of strong messaging and strong branding to help people totally, you know, get feel excited. Oh, about Oh yeah, it. I agree. Yeah, like um, it's a problem in the U.S. where they think, oh, a city urbanism. I'm going to talk about this later, but New York City. I don't want to live in New York City. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so like uh, I like people have this image in their head that we need to change. So yeah, yeah. it's more than just a, uh, a or B, you know? Yeah. And I also think it's just uncool. Like I really, it just comes down to like, is it, it's not cool. So I think that like people need to, we need to make it cool. Like that's what I'm talking about when, about branding. Like how do we make something really so interesting that people are like repping it? Yeah. You know? That's great. So, um, yeah. Great message. What, um, okay. <laughs> let's, let's go along. Lesson cool. number two. Yeah. Number two, incrementalism. So a lot of the cities, how they're born is from one by one. So someone shows up and creates a little shop and then they have water there a well. So someone else shows up right next door, they build their little shop. And then that happens over and over because they build so close because all the resources are in that area. All the people go to that area. There's economies of scales of being close. So and when that happens, because it's different people building different buildings, um, people feel ownership over the space. Um, and then there's this sort of like uniqueness and there's diversity that's built in because so many people are having a part in building their neighborhoods. So um, that has created some of the most beautiful places in the world. Like we yeah. go to these old towns and neighborhoods all over the world that were just like, wow, this is, ex- this is so beautiful. Why don't we do this anymore? And I mean, there's a lot of reasons why that doesn't happen anymore, but I mean, we see developers that create huge, like a a big block of one building and we think, oh, it's ugly. And so there's, we don't take ownership over that because someone else is doing it coming from somewhere else to build Mm. that. And it's so big and like huge monolithic that we 
um, sort of like art, we can't like connect with it. You know, when there's a small incremental approach, there's so much more uh, benefits to how we um, use and feel about the city. So I had someone on the podcast named John Anderson and he started what's called the incremental development Alliance. Mm -hmm. Basically he teaches community members how to like build in their community. And so a lot of his students, they go and build like small, like infill developments in their community, but they do exactly what the community wants. They're connected to people in the neighborhood. So like there's so much more ownership and there's so much more connection in like these, like the neighborhoods they build are beautiful. And Mm. that's sort of um, like a new way to approach city building that is different from sort of what's been happening in recent times. That's fantastic. I mean, it, it can be really difficult for um, designers to step back and let someone else, you know, let the community take the yeah. lead. We always want to like just design everything from from the top. Yeah. Um, so I love that that other perspective, you know. And you're right. That's how, you know, most of our history was was people doing that, just incrementally building up places. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah. And I, uh, I think there's also like I'm not saying we should just not have like a top level like thought of how things lay out definitely important but um, there is like different ways to approach things or maybe mm-hmm. like like an urban designer to think about how you can incentivize more of that you know so in certain confinements I guess <laughs> great yeah so maybe I'll I'll move on to number three sure density versus crowding so this is having a lot or a lot of people have been talking about this since the pandemic has occurred where sort of density is good in urbanism, right? Like we mm. want density. Um, but it's sort of being attacked now that um, the pandemic has happened. Everyone's like, whoa, we don't want to live in cities. Yeah. Everyone's on top of each other. And I think it's really helpful to draw a line between crowding and density. Mm. So in a lot of places, uh, it's they're dense, but they're not crowded. So there's like Copenhagen, for example, has neighborhoods that are super dense, but they're not like sky rises and people aren't sleeping on top of each other. There's a way that we can lay out cities to sort of bring all the infrastructure, bring all the people together and create a community, but not build something that's unhealthy. You know, I think so the image that we have in our head of like a density is that is like New York city. So thinking about somewhere like that. Yeah. Like Hong Kong. So how do we, um, we have to like get the image across that density is not crowding. Density is building a neighborhood that's um, that um, is more connected and close, but not like unhealthily, you know, yeah, yeah. in an unhealthy way. So absolutely, there's that middle point, isn't there, between the the suburban yeah. detached house and the skyscraper? Yeah, you know, that's where all the good stuff is in the middle there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you don't have to go to the extremes. Cool. Um, number four policies, zoning, and building codes need to go deeper than safety. So um, the, like sort of in the U.S., building codes came about in um, to like basically provide safety. So like how do we like we need to put rules in so this doesn't burn down or so people mm. don't fall down the stairs or there's all these rules that are put in place when certain like uh, problems occurred and it sort of created this monster of rules that had no... Um, like thought about how it looks or how it mm. feels. So like when people build, they'll build to the code and it ends up creating these structures that um, just don't make sense, you know, or yeah, they yeah, yeah. affect the streetscape really heavily. Yeah. 
So, um, like I had a, um, person on my podcast recently and he, uh, built in Singapore and basically, or he works a lot in Singapore and basically, uh, he was talking about how the government and how the uh, policy institutions work. They have rules in their building codes that incentivize you to put public space. Right. Like you could get more density if you put more public space. So there's ways that you could structure rules to like build better places, you know? So if you are, we need people that um, are writing or rewriting our codes or zones zoning uh, to basically incentivize better building, you know? So, for like or urban greening, I'm sure there's a myriad of ways that we could get yeah. greening built by using these incentives to builders and thinking really highly about um, how we write our rules to um, be conducive to that. So yeah, I think that's super, um, super important from a policy level to be thinking about how places feel and how people, places look and how we can incentivize a better, more greener future. It's amazing how little um, value is given to creating good, high-quality places in yeah. in things like zoning. And in the UK, I mean, we we don't have a zoning um, planning yeah. zone-based planning system. We have a sort of discretionary planning system. So people just make applications, and then we decide, you know, does it work? on a case-by-case <laughs> basis, does it work? You know, and yeah. that has loads of problems as well. And actually, there's there's talk oh, sure. now from the government about, um, you know creating a zone-based system for, for wow. the UK, for England, actually, um, wow. because Wales and Scotland decide separately. But for England, they're talking about bringing in a zone-based system. And uh, But it's interesting uh, to have your perspective and say, like, it probably has a lot of the same problems, just yeah. looking at oh, it from totally. a different way. Yeah, no, it definitely creates a lot of problems. And not to mention, like, the racial problems that came with zoning, mm. like, in the US. Like, when zoning was instituted, a lot of it was, like, this is for single family lots only, aka, you know, a certain population yeah. of people can only live here. So um, there's a lot of like stuff baked into zoning that's more than just like separating industrial um, mm. waste environments from living, which I guess makes sense, you know, when it came about because there was in a lot of industry and pollutants that they didn't want to live next to yeah. that. That makes sense for zoning. But we're not in that world anymore, you know, at least not fully where we don't need to have such hardcore zoning restrictions, you know, and it just makes it harder to build, honestly, for zoning. Uh, Mm. Like a lot of our housing demands in the U.S. especially could be fixed if we were more uh, like if we didn't have so much rules to build, you know, like it makes it so hard to build because now we have going to go to certain areas and it changes pricing. And yeah, there's a lot baked into that. And, and as urbanists, I mean, we're always pushing for more mixing of uses, you know. Yeah. You want yeah. residences with the um, with shops and the restaurants and everything all together because that's how yeah. you get this sort of vibrant neighborhood. But if the system is in place to separate yeah. those things, it's very hard to get it, get it right. Straight up. Straight up. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. Maybe I'll complain less about the English system after hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you'd have to do, it'd be an interesting comparison, you know, to see what's more effective. Uh, so I'm moving on. Number five. Number five. A village is not a town, is not a city. So um, I've had a guest on my podcast. Her name is Laura Clemens. She's out of Wharton, Texas, and she's always 
talking about how all of the things we talk about in city building and designing never work in her town. You know, she lives in a small town in Texas where there's, there's no zoning there. There's no real rules, not a lot of like um, infrastructure. There's not a lot of economy. So there's not a lot of money that's Mm. involved, but it's a beautiful city. There's a really great downtown neighborhood and they have a different like political view and way of uh, living and thoughts. And so when I when we start to talk about urbanism and density, they're really turned off by that. Right. So um, we needed to think about how we can um, like change our answers to help people in these communities that may have a different, maybe have a different situation, you know, and to know that when we're saying urbanism, we're not saying New York City, we're saying right. building a good community for you that has uh, like a good, you know, downtown place you love a place to meet your community. Like it's not building skyscrapers. So um, I think like a lot of times or a lot of the urbanism urbanists I speak to, they say like, we have to be very careful about for speaking about a village or a town or a city because everything has a different answer, Yeah, you know, and I'm sure you deal with this a lot in your work. <laughs> it's such a good point. I'm, I'm glad you brought it up and it's probably something I need to be more conscious of when I'm, when I'm, you know, on the podcast talking about, you know, talking about these things in, you know, sometimes in quite general terms, but uh, you can apply general yeah. principles to everywhere. And and I'd also add to that as well, that, you know, the solutions for a North American city or a European city are not necessarily the same solutions for an African so city true. or an Asian yeah. city or, or, you know, in the Middle East. So true. And there's a long history of, of, you know, foreign consultants exporting our urban ideals. Yep to these places and they just don't work very well um and some sometimes it's about um it's about uh you know these places have certain they they look to the western world and they have certain ambitions um and so for instance you know just look at dubai is full of glass skyscrapers which is basically the worst building typology for for their climate it's just yeah because they're just over- all that heat exactly <laughs> why would you have a fully glazed uh skyscraper in dubai when it's so hot um and so there there is these you know it's 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 a really really valid yeah. point so thank you for bringing that up and like also like we need like how do we make places unique you know like if you could build for what's local there people are probably more likely yeah. to want to go there and enjoy that you know so it's not just for like because it's rational i guess but it's it serves like a unique need for the community and like who they are, you know? So yeah. Okay. Number six community is a function of interaction. So, well, a lot of times now, especially in the U S there's a lot of polarization of ideas and people don't understand where you come from. Um, It's harder to build community because of the internet age. There's a lot of problems with sort of like loneliness you know, and I think what the problem there is that um, we're not getting enough interaction. So when people are able to like see each other or to even like just be next to someone, like it could be the grocery store clerk, you know, to see someone um, just like being okay and you are, you meet them, it could, you don't have to speak to them. It sort of creates this bond and trust that you didn't have before that you can't get over the internet. Mm. So and once you start to meet people like that, you start to understand that they're not so different from you. So once you start interacting with these people, you can start building this community because you start to build this trust. 
So I think a lot of the problems that we have as like communities and like all the fighting that we do can be solved by just simply like interacting and seeing each other. Like for example, I have a friend that um, lives in North Carolina and they were saying they were at a, um, uh, like a cafe once and the owner, you know, was a very Southern person and a person that was like Sikh came in and they are, you know, they have a turban and they look different from the certain person there. And they were like best of friends, like someone you think would be very much opposed to having like the, uh, that person in their area, like, you know, just the Southern American person. Um, they were totally good friends. So there's a sort of this power and like interacting and seeing someone and talking to them. That is, we totally take for granted, like seeing someone and, uh, yeah, getting that connection is, like the first step in creating a community and building a sort of like, uh, I guess, trust and lo- and getting out of loneliness. So um, that's sort of like a big um, reason for building places that are for people is for creating this interaction mm. so that we can sort of build community. That's beautiful. I love, love that example. And it's, it's so true. I mean, I think people who interact with, let's say people outside of their uh, their socioeconomic group tend to be a lot less worried about those people because <laughs> because yeah. once you've met them you know once if you've met you know if you've met uh refugees or you've met people from a certain country that are you know and you've you've had a conversation with them then suddenly you stop being worried about the unknown like what are these people doing here what are they going to do like oh yeah. i know what they're doing they're just like me you know yeah. it takes the mystery and the fear it. away from it yeah yeah and so yeah, I mean it's super true. I think like if we could design to optimize for creating that interaction, we can just start to understand each other and have a better, more like peaceful world, you know. So that's what it's about. And that's for that's why um the podcast exists to advocate for more human centric spaces. Okay. It's, it's great. And um I mean I think there's definitely uh, architectural ways you can you can bring that in i mean i was just thinking of um i have a friend who lives in uh, zurich and he lives in this big apartment block um that's like a big perimeter block and it has um yeah. like a, a communal kind of green area in in the middle mm. and he lives on the ground floor and there's probably hundreds of people who live in this in this big apartment block um but because he's on the ground floor and he has like a little garden out the back he sits out there and he says hello to everyone who passes by and he has tons of friends in the building because they all know him he's the guy who lives on this corner and they just see him in his you know in his back garden he he waves to everyone he says hello he knows all the kids and everything and it's beautiful and i'm like i don't know anyone in my building you know (laughs) i've been here three years you know (laughs) yep it's so true like there's like um if yeah, like the architecture, if you could design that in to build that interaction, like I'm sure he's a lot happier for that, you know, to have yeah. all those friends, you know, and I think we all need a little more of that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we all need a little more happiness. Real life interaction, you know. Yeah, real life interaction. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so um, number seven, this is the last one. Okay. The future of cities will need private and public middle persons. So I recently had someone on the show his name is matthew clark uh he's like the principal um like ceo at um a, a like firm nonprofit called the design trust for public space it's out of new york 
basically there, there's intermediary that sit between like a lot of public people and then a lot of private businesses mm. and they help get these, they advocate for public space mostly, but they help get these ideas and these people that want to do things in communities actually done by sort of creating this network, you know, and they do a lot more than that, of course, but um, I think there's a lot of power in having someone there that's willing to get them on the same page and get them moving towards the same goal, you know, because a lot of times, especially in the US, there's a lot of headbutting. There's mm. like, I just want to do my thing. All right, stop it from stopping me, you know? Um, but we shouldn't be working that way. I think we both have the same goals or we should and both have the same ideas. So um, a really like, a position that should and I think will exist in the future is that person or that group that sits in between them and is always willing or is pushing to get the same ideas out there and yeah. pushed forward, you know? Yeah, that's so. that's really important. And actually, I mean, I think that's, you know, the team the team that I work with, when we do a lot of our work, we play that role sometimes because often we'll work. There it is. There you go. <laughs> The client, our client is the local authority, you know, is the city planners. Uh, and they, they, they've they had, you know, a, a history of being very, uh, having this quite aggressive relationship with like local developers and local, mm. you know, local residents. Um, and everyone is almost pulling in different directions. And often we come in as like a neutral kind of middleman to be like, you know, actually, <laughs> we all actually want the same things. We're just maybe using different yeah. language. I mean, often that's yeah. it, you know? Um, and so, yeah, you're totally right. And it's, it's, it's hugely important. It definitely needs to happen more. Yeah. yeah. So it exists. You're doing it already. Yeah. But I never, nice. <laughs> I never thought of it in that, in those, like, <laughs> it's just something we did. I didn't, didn't think of it in those sort of yeah. Uh, terms. Yeah. I mean, necessary. Well, I'm glad that things are already moving on. That was awesome, Steve. Thank you. Really, really enjoyed that. I learned a lot. Um, it was a great conversation. Yeah. No, thank you. Thank you for having me. That was a blast. Um, just to like get the time to sort of like s consolidate all the lessons learned. Um, there's been quite a few people and they've had ranging ideas. So um, it, yeah, thank you for having me on. Absolute pleasure. How can people find your podcast, learn more about it? Yeah. So it's called Human City Podcast. So just Google it. I'm sure you can find it. Um, I'm on all the podcast streaming platforms. So feel free to search it. Um, you can, I'm on Twitter at Human City Pod. Uh, and then I'm also I'm on uh, Instagram as well, at Human City Podcast. So it's human.city on Instagram. So check it out. Um, I have quite a few episodes in the past. Um, yeah it's great i really enjoy it i can definitely recommend it um really really good stuff thank you thank you ross i really appreciate you having me on absolute pleasure let's do it again sometime yeah hell yeah cool thank you <laughs> thank you very much see you